Welcome to another episode of South County Health Talks, a podcast series from South County Health. Over the years, millions of Americans have undergone orthopedic surgery to repair and replace issues with shoulders, knees, hips, and more. Here to talk with us about orthopedic surgery is Dr. Michael Bradley, Chief of Orthopedic Surgery with the South County Health Orthopedics Center. Dr. Bradley, thanks for your time. So what are some of the most common issues that lead to someone needing orthopedic surgery? Thanks for having me, Bill. The growing population health uh, issues in orthopedic surgery really stem around degeneration of the body. So whether that's uh, hip, knee, shoulder, um, some sort of degeneration, we link that to arthritis oftentimes, osteoarthritis, uh, probably the major condition that uh, we're all facing nowadays. Um, In the shoulder, that ends up being degeneration of the tendons or rotator cuff tendon disease. But again, it follows a very similar path. Uh, of uh, uh, linking to age and, ge- and degeneration. So it sounds like it's mostly because of normal aging? Yeah, so good, that's a great question. Uh, and yes, there are some expected worsening with age, but I'll, I'll be honest, uh, the, the real true crux and the real uh, effort that we need to place it from a medical standpoint is into why are these things happening from other factors. Um, we know age is one. We know obesity is one, especially in the United States. But there are other factors like genetics that uh, do, don't really tell us why one generation is getting arthritis much earlier than the previous generation. So I, I think some of it's uh, untold. Um, we're certainly providing some of the solutions, but it'd be really nice to figure out um, why these things seem to be happening earlier and earlier. That is a really good question. I was just wondering, are there people that have a higher risk for orthopedic issues? Yeah, just like markers that people are developing for different uh, medical conditions, uh, cancer, diabetes, uh, that we're finding on genes, we're actually finding markers on genes for osteoarthritis. Um, and and uh, the greatest uh, uh, illusion is is to see you know, their grandmother had uh, arthritis of their hip or knee in their 90s, but then all of a sudden the next generation, it's in their 80s, the next generation, it's in their 70s. And so there's definitely a, a link to genetic component that uh, we have not figured out yet, but, but uh, we'll, we'll be studying. And that would be really good to understand, I would imagine, for preventative measures. So what is the most common surgery you perform? Yeah, so if you're those three joints are the most common, so knee, hip, and shoulder, and probably in that order. And uh, and joint replacement surgery for the knee or the hip uh, are, are very common procedures. I'll give you some idea, but there's about 700,000 total knee replacements done a year right now. Uh, that number will grow to 3.5 million by 2030, which is a short time away. So... Uh, These are becoming more and more common procedures, and they don't look like they're slowing down. Part of it's um, what we just mentioned, that people are getting arthritis earlier. Part of it is the conditions uh, are getting better. The procedures are getting better, so the willingness for someone to do that is is, uh, changing. But also the the population health statistics um, really are emerging that that the, the crux of this is the age of surgery continues to slightly move down. Hmm, That's interesting. 
And I imagine those three body areas, knee, hip, shoulder, those are the main big joints that we're moving all the time. So is that why those are more susceptible to injury and degenerative aging? Yes, absolutely. The the activity level on those three joints um, surpasses most of the other areas. Obviously, the shoulder has the greatest range of motion. It doesn't have the weight-bearing characteristics of the knee or hip, but but being a well, the only joint that can move 180 degrees, uh, there's a lot of expectation. Mm-hmm. And you were just talking about joint replacement. How have joint replacement procedures changed over the years? And specifically, can you tell us about the Mako robotic arm-assisted surgeries you perform? Of course. Um, I would say the actual materials that we use to to replace joints has been pretty consistent since they started um, 70, 60, 70 years ago. Um, but the, the refining of the actual shapes of the designs, um, how they're put in, and, and whether they use either a cement technique or not a cement technique is, is probably one of the major issues. And then the approach or the surgery to perform those, even though the materials have not changed, the, the surgery to re- perform those has changed a lot. So that's the surgical approach, and then what we're getting to is the precision with where the implants go, which is part of the computer navigation and uh, Mako robot-assisted computer navigation system. Um, The elements of putting these things in the exact right place for each subsequent person allows for the what we call the longevity of the implant, meaning this will stay in somebody and work many years down the road in addition to being good right after surgery. So because of that precision, I imagine the recovery process has got to be better than regular open surgery. Yeah. So, you know, it's a great question and and there's no doubt that with a precision technology, you you can perform it slightly more minimally invasive. Um I, I we caution people at the end of the day, we <laughs> we still have to get these these implants into your body. So it's not through microscopic incisions, but, but those incisions can be planned better. They can be, uh, the, the, the procedure can take shorter amount of time. The blood loss is, is, is less. So there's a lot of, a lot of things that go into the, the surgical procedure that can benefit from having uh, some element of precision technology. And for someone considering surgery, what do they need to know? Yeah. So although we love do this, and this is what we do all the time, to be honest, the, the, the crux of our job, although performing it is a skill set that, that we work hard on, it's actually choosing the right person. So um, most of the time we try non-operative things because it's the patients that really have tried everything else that still realize that they're not going to be able to do what they want to do in life, and that's different in every person that come to us and say, I'm ready now. And, and that part of saying I'm ready now buys them into the, the procedure, allows them to really research it uh, wholeheartedly. If they think there are a lot of options and we are too often you know, pushing surgery on people, that's, that's not a recipe for success. So, so believe it or not, we, if somebody thinks they're ready for surgery, I think coming to listen to all the options, whether they're surgical or non-surgical, and then trying some things that 
oftentimes can get temporary relief or, or at least some relief, and some of it is exercise-related, some of it's uh, um, modifying activities and losing weight and, and things like that. And ultimately, I think we're, we're very honest with people. If there are no other options or no other uh, non-surgical options, um, these, are, these are things that are very common procedures. And, and uh, if we do them well and do them um, consistently, I think people will have great outcomes, and that's what we care most about. Well, that makes sense. And with the opioid crisis, last question, Dr. Bradley, can you talk about co-founding the Opioid Sparing Pathway at South County Health? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and this is goes along the lines of when, when somebody's in pain, they come in to see you, you got to have options for people. So I think um, thinking of uh, narcotic pain medicine as a, as a solution is not probably what we need to be doing nowadays. So the opioid sparing pathway stemmed from the idea that uh, there are other medicines out there that can help calm the pain pathway prior to surgery. So we actually give people medicines that are non-narcotic prior to their surgery. We actually perform the operation with um, um, techniques that lower their narcotic need. And in one year, we've been able to reduce the amount of narcotics that our total joint patients get 60%. Um, so that's pretty significant. We, we're, we're decreasing their need for it, and they still have great pain control. So now we're applying that to other injuries, people that fall and break their shoulder or their elbow, their wrist, um, and, and really approaching pain differently. And, and to be honest, the, the real crux of it is, is educating patients about the pathway rather than having a quick fix narcotic. So um, there's such a need. It's a, it's a huge population health issue right now. And uh, I think we're proud to kind of trying to be at the forefront. That is absolutely true, and we do need solutions for the opioid crisis, and your results are amazing. Dr. Bradley, thank you so much for your time today. For more information, please visit southcountyhealth.org. That's southcountyhealth.org. This is South County Health Talks from South County Health. I'm Bill Klaproth. Thanks for listening.